We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Money Matters podcast. I'm Laura Suter, and I'm joined, as always, by Danny Hewson. Hi, Danny. Hi, Laura. Now, I know that we've got one more podcast episode to bring you before the Christmas break, but I have to say, I've had my first mince pie. We've opened the advent calendar here, and I'm feeling a bit festive. How about you? Yes, me too. We've not decorated the house yet, and I'm actually really... Normally, I hold off until quite late, but I'm quite keen to do it. I did some... Christmas crafting last night it's all been very nice we put the tree up over the weekend um, which is always I think the sign that Christmas is here and it does make you festive and we had some carols on and it was all very twee and lovely and mulled wine I hope Uh, red wine no mold but I've got to build up to that yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we've got an early Christmas gift for everyone else as well because Danny has been chatting to the rather excellent scummy mummies yeah if you haven't come across this comedy duo before they are definitely a force Uh, they're not afraid of very bluntly sharing the good and bad of their parenting experiences they've written books they've got their own award-winning podcast and are currently smack in the middle of a UK tour so stick around for that chat later and I know one of the things that both women spoke about so passionately is the current cost of living crisis which is making things incredibly tough for a lot of people And our last couple of pods, we have drafted in some brilliant women to try and help you cut the cost of Christmas, find the best bargains just to make that money stretch a bit further. So do seek those out wherever you listen to your podcast for some great tips. But the bottom line is Christmas is expensive, more so than ever this year because of inflation. And we know lots of people will have decided to put at least some of their Christmas on credit. Yeah, and I think there's no point in us sitting here saying all debt is bad, don't use debt, we've never done that. I think the reality is that some people are going to need to put some of their Christmas costs on credit. And I think we just want to talk you through the ways to do that so that you don't go into New Year with a massive debt hangover. Yeah, because you've been talking about personal finance for years and debt is something that always comes up at Christmas time. And you're absolutely right. People will be putting some things on credit. There are ways to deal with credit effectively, not land in a great big hole. But of course, there are also huge pitfalls. So if people are heading out now to the stores, they've got more things to buy. They're going to be using credit cards, buy now, pay later, even just dipping into overdraft. What would you say to them? What do they need to be thinking about if they've put Christmas on credit? What next? So I think the first thing is to think consciously about where you're putting that debt. So if you know that you're going to have to turn to some form of debt this Christmas, um, think about where you're putting that and get the cheapest option possible. So rather than doing what so much of us, so many of us do, which is kind of slipping into your overdraft, which actually is a really expensive form of debt now, that's got about, most overdrafts have about 40% interest on them if you don't have an interest-free amount. So that's actually a really expensive form of debt. So if you know that you're going to have to put money on debt, 
seek out things like an interest-free credit card where you can get an interest-free period for it or just kind of the cheapest option of debt that you can find because then that means when you're making repayments, more of that money will go to paying off the actual debt that you took out, the initial cost of the item, rather than just going to really high interest charges. Um, And then I think the next thing is to just keep track of payments. So if you're um, putting stuff on on credit, making a note of when those credit card repayments are going to be, setting up a direct debit if you can, because then that automates it. Um, lots of people will be using buy now, pay later. Um, it's really tricky to keep track of all of those payments, particularly if you're buying lots of different items with different um, providers. You really need to be making a note of when you're meant to pay those so that you don't miss any payments. And I think that's the big thing is kind of, being a bit more organized about it, maybe, um, making a note of those dates and making sure that you don't miss those payments. Um, And then I think it's kind of thinking about how you're going to pay that money off ultimately. So you might think this is a problem for 2023. I don't don't have a prospect of, you know, repaying it before the end of the year. But it's thinking about where am I going to find that money? Are there some things that I've been meaning to sell for a while that I could put on things like Vinted or Facebook Marketplace and flog them to make a bit of extra money? Or is it things like, um, Danny, I remember you talking about this before, council tax payments. You generally usually only pay 10 months of payments. So then you have two months of the year where you're not paying your council tax. Can you consciously put exactly the same amount of money that you would have been paying for your council tax towards, you know, credit card bills or paying off overdraft. And it's kind of thinking through some of those things. Is there a chance of getting overtime at work or will you have a bonus and kind of coming up with a strategy for how you might repay that money so that your Christmas shopping isn't still keeping you awake at night with worry come summer next year? Yeah, I must admit that is something that saved me last year because um, I fell foul of the whole buying something and uh, expecting that it had already come out of your account. So with some payment methods like PayPal, it says that you pay once the goods have been dispatched, and that could be two, even three weeks later. And of course, you're buying it. And I hadn't realized that I'd hit that button, assumed it had come out of my account. And then suddenly, I'm, I'm finding this payment for 300 quid out of nowhere for a bunch of Christmas presents. And Yes, it it does throw you and it is so easy to get caught out. Um, But, you know, the bills start to come in, of course, don't they? Um, And we all know that the best action is definitely to pay it off in full so that you don't rack up any charges if you've used your credit cards. But that's not something most of us are going to be able to do. So what should we prioritise? So there are two ways that you can repay debt, the snowball and the avalanche. Um, So the avalanche is where you list all of your debt by the most expensive to the cheapest. So the highest interest rate that you're paying on the debt all the way down to the cheapest, regardless of how much you owe on that form of debt. Um, And then what you do is you pay off the most expensive first. Once you've paid off that, you then move down to the next one. The alternative is the snowball. Um, So this is where you list your debt by the largest amount and the smallest amount. Um, And then you tackle that smaller amount of debt first and you pay that off and you prioritize your overpayments on that until you've paid that off and then you move to the next one. There are different mentalities here. The avalanche effect is the most kind of financially prudent it means that you're tackling that high cost debt first and so then it means more of your overpayments are going to go towards um 
uh, further down the line are going to go towards paying off the actual debt rather than the interest. But the snowball effect can have a really positive mental impact because if you've got a small bit of debt, maybe a couple of hundred quid on a credit card or in an overdraft, and you can pay that off, then the kind of real feel good feeling that you get from that can spur you on to pay off the rest of your debt. So there are two different options, but the golden rule is you should always pay your minimum payments while doing this. So meet the minimum payments on all of your debt and then pick which option you want. And I guess the key thing is just to make sure, as you say, that that you've got it all written down somewhere, you know, the dates that everything is coming out so that you're not caught out and you don't get caught out by these odd quirks of payments where you think you've paid them and actually you haven't and then it lands on you in January and maybe your paycheck has come a bit earlier so suddenly you've got a whole lot more month at the end of the money. Um, What happens if things get really bad because there is a lot of help out there so what should people do? So my first thing that I always signpost is citizens advice. They're really good because they can look across all of your finances so they can look not just at the debt part and they have specialist debt advisors to help with that but they can also look at uh, is there extra government support that you could be claiming any benefits that you could be claiming tax breaks things like that and they'll help you find you know extra sources of money that you might not be aware that you're entitled to um after that i think it would be going to kind of a specialist debt charity so things like step change um the things that you want to make sure are that you're not paying for this advice so there's so many charities out there that offer free advice so don't go to anyone who wants to try and charge you to consolidate your debt or go to a you know a private company that's trying to charge you for this service there's so many free options out there and even if it's initially just getting a bit of advice on what you could do um you don't have to think that just making that one call means you're going to be committed to a debt repayment plan or that um, you're going to have to take some drastic action straight away. Often it can just be, you know, seeking a bit of advice, um, working out a few things that you could do and then doing that in your own time. Being honest with yourself, I guess. I mean, I know it's really hard. And if you're really worried about it, you're probably not sleeping. And, you know, it, it can be hard to make that first step and to talk to people about it because you also you feel guilty and maybe a bit ashamed. But, you know, it is really, really important that you just start that conversation. And uh, I suppose you know, we're still a few weeks from Christmas when we're recording this, people will still be thinking about all of those things that they want to buy and maybe adding to their debt. And I've heard so many conversations this year, I've had conversations this year with family and friends talking about, do you know what, normally we'd buy a present for this teacher, that instructor, the next door neighbours, maybe this year we won't. Or this year, instead of, you know, spending 20, 30 pounds on something that they don't want, we'll set a target and say, right, we're just going to spend five pounds on each other and just give something really small, a token. Um, And I think we've always done that in our family. We've always had for the adults, we've set a limit and we say, right, we'll, we'll just buy each other a bottle of wine or something and we'll buy for the kids. And that just means that Christmas isn't quite as expensive uh, as it could be. Yeah, and I think that one good thing to come out of this kind of cost of living crisis is that everyone's talking about how much more expensive things are and ways to cut costs. And I think it means that some of those 
tricky conversations um, maybe are a bit easier to have this year. My group of friends and I, between us, we have um, approximately a million children. And so we decided this year that we're not going to buy for each other's kids. Most of them are too young to kind of really get it anyway. And it ends up not only being a cost, but just the hassle of thinking of different presents for different age kids and working out what they like adds to that kind of mental load and stress of Christmas. So we decided no more, we'll do birthday presents, but we're not doing Christmas presents. And actually that's a big relief, both financially and also I don't have to think of a present for an eight-year-old girl who I (laughs) saw six months ago. (laughs) What you said earlier about Vinted really struck a chord because I went out for a meal with um, a group of mums that I've known since our kids were teeny tiny and my eldest is now 16, so it's been a long time. And two of them were showing off tops that they'd bought off vintage and it has Mm. become really not just acceptable but laudable to be buying things second hand because of course you're helping with the environmental issues that that come from you know making huge amounts of extra clothes a lot of it goes to landfill but also saving cash it's just kind of savvy yeah it's really good I use it for all of my daughter's clothes because Kids aren't in clothes for that long, particularly shoes. Um, so you can get really decent quality stuff for very cheap. Um, but if you've got any questions for us on the podcast, then do get in touch. And if you've got friends who you think might enjoy the podcast or get something from it, then do definitely tell them to listen. Um, ask them to sign up to the newsletter as well. But for now, our promised guests for this week are the Scummy Mummies. Yes, I was very excited um, to chat to them both. Uh, this comedy duo met... When they had young kids, um, they quickly gained a huge following, um, brutally um, honest about motherhood. But they were just as brutally honest about the state of the economy when I caught up with Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson in the middle of their UK tour. So I suppose really just to kick it off, you guys are not scared at all about tackling taboo subjects um i mean you know just looking at your podcast list i i don't think there's a subject you haven't tackled and money is among them helen why do you think money is still a taboo subject and how do you feel about money oh i think i think there's still such a big hang up about money and especially as women like and and it has been very gendered for very very long and and the tide is turning like there's some amazing sort of female voices uh on social media who are talking about money uh but i i think i think it is and 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 we've been ingrained in this sort of culture especially in the uk it's like oh it's it's impolite to talk about salaries and it's impolite to talk about earnings and uh things like that and also that that you know it's a very patriarchal society and we're like oh you're looked after by your husband and so um for most of us we weren't really taught about it in schools we our mothers didn't talk about it to us so I think we we're having to do the big the big ask the big change and changing that culture um but what I I find really refreshing is that that um you start the conversation very quietly like oh you know we're you know we're business women or we're you know um mums who are just trying to go out for ourselves and and the more you talk about it the easier it gets so I'm glad this podcast exists and I'm glad that we're having this conversation because Ellie, I, I know for you guys, it is about tackling really tricky subjects and getting people to to open up. And when you're touring and people are giving their confessions, how often does money come up? 
So for anyone who doesn't know, so basically at the end of our show, we give all the audience a card and a pen and we ask them to share like a scummy mummy confession. And it's usually a sort of story of parenting failure. Um, and we get some really, oh, some things that are far too filthy to say in this on this platform. People might be eating their breakfast. Do you know what I mean? Probably too much too much but um I'll, I'll be honest we, we do have a lot of common themes and and money I would say probably is not one of them actually and I think that's quite interesting isn't it is that people were quite seem quite happy to talk about their their hangovers or their sex life or their marital problems or their terrible children but actually no I don't think money does come up and I wonder if that's because you know as Helen was just saying how I wonder how much of that is to do with the fact that 99% of our audience is women and and we do still have a sort of um, social stigma around talking about it. I'm not sure. One of the things that comes up is about time out. And I think you could almost say that is loosely related to money. Like one of our most favourite confessions is that um, mums will often say, I tell my childminder or my mother-in-law that I'm going to work or working from home and I actually go to the gym and I play Candy Crush. You know, so so it's about, you know, carving out time for yourself. And, when, and, and, and interesting, that's a similar taboo to money in that we feel guilty about putting ourselves first. First. And so I think I think that 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 sometimes gets the biggest cheer, doesn't it, Ellie? Where people kind of mm. they've sort of snuck off, and especially during the pandemic, they say, "I said I had a meeting, but I actually went to my shed and watched Married at First Sight, <laughs> and it lasted for like six months, which I think is brilliant." But but it also tells you about our worth and our value in terms of what we need this time out. We need to prioritise, um, you know, our mental health and probably our financial health. But but it's still a bit of a secret. And the fact that we feel like we've won by sneaking it is is quite telling. Yeah, because I know that well, we've done some research which suggests that, you know, if women came into a bit of money, um, they wouldn't invest it in the same way that men would. They would spend it on their kids or on holidays or making sure that their family was supported rather than looking after their future. And I suppose, Ellie, that it's women do tend to put their kids and their families first. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think that that we all have that inclination, don't we? And it's it's quite interesting. Um, so my background is in video games, right? And the video, I used to be a video games journalist. And so I know from years of working in that industry that when there is a recession, as, as I fear there might be about to be, when, the, when times are hard, um, in terms of once people have paid their, their food and their heating bills, the, the money, whatever's left over, does go on the kids. So that's why video games as an industry always does actually compared to some other industries doesn't suffer too much when times are hard because parents and often it's mum it's mums who are buying the presents right the Christmas presents or whatever or looking for something to occupy the kids they will still put the kids first and they so they won't go out to eat they won't buy a new pair of shoes but they'll buy a video game because that will keep their child occupied for up to like 40 50 hours so that's something I've definitely see, seen sort of come out in real life that's a practical example of that and Right now, there are not going to be a whole load of women who are, uh, and men, but obviously we're, we're talking to women, we're talking to mums who are talking about buying Christmas presents for their kids and having really tricky conversations with their kids about what they can afford. And, and I know you both have done a podcast where you've got your kids talking about money and dealing about money, but sometimes it can be really hard, particularly if you're ashamed. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, um, especially when the children are little and, you know, 
where they think their um, Christmas presents are coming from. That's a very difficult conversation. When they're a bit older, my children are 11 and 14, and I have sat them down. I said, this year's going to be different. There's not going to be lots of presents, but why don't we think about having a group family present? Like we needed, we need a new, new TV. So maybe that's our Christmas present to ourselves. And then I'll just buy you about 18 kilos of sweets. How about that? And they're like, woohoo! <laughs> bribe them with sugar um but yeah I think I think I think it's really good to start those conversations about money very early because I think there's really unrealistic expectations on children and also the media flood you is it you know we've already started to see all the Christmas ads and and you know the magic of Christmas seems to be abundance you know the magical you know Christmas is associated with excess and you know massive tables of food, massive decorations, ridiculous Christmas jumpers. And to kind of translate that into reality for your children is is a tricky task. Now, I have no problem with massive tables of food, it has to be said, because, uh, you know, <laughs> I like to get stuck in. However, it's hard, particularly if you're, you know, struggling to have the oven on to roast for a long period of time. I, I don't ever remember a time quite like this. I mean, I remember during the financial um crisis uh i wasn't working in finance and i was one of those people that had to go around a supermarket with a calculator and say okay have have i got enough to to do the shop to pay for all this stuff that my family needs and i know you guys are now incredibly successful but i guess it wasn't always the case at no, absolutely not. My my first experience of that, of course, because growing up, we never had a lot of money. But yes, there was always food on the table. Um, and I remember being aware of sometimes being harder than others. And yes, having these conversations about Christmas, but we always we always did OK. But then I went to university and I didn't really know how to manage money or budget or, you know, so I did that classic first term <laughs> thing of, you know, my parents had definitely given me adequate money to live on, but I sort of spaffed it all on, you know, cigarettes and, and glittery shoes. And uh, <laughs> and then it got to the end of term. And I had I had no money, you know, and I was really ashamed and I was really embarrassed to say to my parents, look, I've I've really screwed this up um, and I didn't want to get a credit card because I did at least know enough that that was that that way madness lay. So, um, yeah, I ended up sort of just living off toast and cheese slices and the cheapest spreadable butter in the supermarket for the last two weeks of term. And that even that was when I was in an overdraft. And I, I remembered that feeling of. Of, and, and something, although I was an idiotic 18 year old, clearly something ran a, rang a bell in my head going, this is really bad. This You feel bad all the time and you don't ever want to be here again. Um, and I've been lucky enough that um, I have had hard times since, but I've, I have moved back in with my parents or I've been on the dole or I've, you know, I've done I've, I've, I've done all that. Um, and I've never been that that much on the breadline Again, but I know that a lot of people don't have that choice. They don't have that option. They that that's where they are. And I really, my heart absolutely goes out to those people. And I think it's it's disgraceful, frankly, that we're in this situation. That the people in power haven't. They've basically done what I did, you know, <laughs> and made really terrible decisions and really screwed it up. But now the difference is, when I screwed it up, I was the one who suffered. Now millions of people are suffering. I think it's disgraceful. God, some of the stories you hear at the moment, Helen, are just utterly devastating. You know, the idea of heating or eating. Um, mm. You know, f- for me, I-, I just can't even begin to imagine what that's like. 
Yeah, and um, I work with the um, charity Gingerbread who um, represent and are advocates for single parents and there's been an an increase, I think about 50% increase in their helpline and most of the calls are people saying I have to make the choice of whether to turn on my fridge or, you know, feed the children. And and one of the big things that happens when we're in this financial crisis that that um, maintenance payments aren't being paid to mothers. So mothers are really very much suffering at this point and children, of course. And that's and that's and that's absolutely heartbreaking. And, and there are mothers that aren't eating. They will again, like we were talking about, feed their children. Um, and so, um, you know, work childcare costs are going up and um, salaries and people's um, hours are being reduced and um, people are really, really struggling. And it's and as Leslie said, we should not be in this situation at all. Um, uh, and that's and that's what's really really difficult. And then of course schools are being cut as well. And the 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 free school meals that were going to happen over the holidays that has just been sort of silently made disappeared. So you know I think I think we um, we have to look out for our you know food banks are going up, all those sort of things. So we have to be really conscious of um, of what's going on around us. We just we basically need a new government, ladies. I think that's it. Get this one out. Uh, and, um, you know, because there's, there's unnecessary suffering. I'm going to shove us away from politics now and I'm going to talk about financial mistakes. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not really sure. Not really, I mean, surely those themes at the moment, they're quite concurrent, aren't they? It's hard to, hard to separate those two issues out, one could argue. If we're going to segue, maybe... <laughs> giant financial mistakes um don't know if you've watched the news in the last couple of months don't know if you've seen any news there's been some financial mistakes mate there have been some yes and and they weren't mine let's say that they weren't my mistakes talk about a freudian slip eh? I, I, yeah um no finger pointing no no not at all but i don't know how you can talk about money honestly without talking about politics especially if you're talking about people in crisis especially if you're talking about people on the breadline because yeah. i think sometimes we can fall into the trap of oh it's just happened as if the economy is just this sort of amorphous independent being that just sort of does all this crazy stuff and we all just have to tolerate it and that's not true the rich are getting richer and the poorer getting poorer and that's the result of decisions that have been made by people in power that is not some accidental you know thing and it might be to do with Ukraine and it might be to do with Brexit it might be to do with all these factors but at the end of the day people are responsible for for those things and now I promise this is me getting off my soapbox Danny now I've said that now I'll settle down and behave we can talk about Black Friday or whatever you like I don't know well, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little okay. bit because um, I was listening to a previous podcast episode that you did, um, and it was a couple of years ago now. But you said at the time that you didn't have a pension. Has that changed? Me, I do not have a pension. No, uh, that is on the advice of my financial advisor. Um, I've got I've got savings. I've got a bit of money invested, and I've got my house. And we looked at the options, and it didn't make financial sense to do that at that time and I will revisit it over the years um but currently the plan is is different are you about to you're gonna have a go at me Danny go on no no I'm not actually because everybody's circumstances are are different and you know the, the the whole thing is that if you get advice and that advice then works for you and your situation then that is absolutely brilliant for me, it's, um, you know, we were talking about time out earlier and there are an awful lot of women that 
take time out from the workplace and stop paying into their pension and then never start again, but don't have the the luxury or the ability or it, it maybe doesn't even occur to them to talk to a financial advisor and say, okay, I've got my future ahead of me. Where where do I stand? Mm. And I think I think that's right. I, I have I have a small pension which I'm I'm uh, now starting to add small amounts into. But um, you know, I, I was married, and and my ex husband said, "You don't need a pension. I'm going to look after you," um, <clears throat> which was one of the many lies. Um, but anyway, but like, yeah, but, um, no, I'm not going to mention my secret bank account. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. exactly that's right. Another story for another time. <laughs> different different podcasts but um but yeah so I had to face that and when when I wrote my book um get divorced be happy I I made sure I had a whole chapter devoted to um finance and and you know getting back you know taking ownership of yourself as a single person because I think so many of us haven't haven't had that sort of conversation with ourselves and thought oh well you know that's part of the marital pot sort of thing um but yeah I'm very very much now conscious especially as my work as a freelance comedian and you know I work for myself and I work with Ellie primarily I'm like oh will I still be wearing a cat suit when I'm 60 and, <laughs> and dancing about a stage <laughs> talking about my probably even lower boobs uh at that stage and so I am very conscious of that and 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 before when I was a young person I thought well you know the, the the steps are I'll get married we'll buy a house together and then we'll look after each other but now I don't see that at all I I do not want to rely on a single other person for um you know my future because I I, I might you know I, I've been sort of fundamentally changed by my divorce so I think I think that has been good and and a lot of people said after reading that chapter that's been you know it's been that thing about you know see no evil hear no evil I don't want to know about it but you have to you have to know about it really yeah it's difficult isn't it because we are sort of I'm trying not to with my girls, but certainly I think when I was growing up, I was sold the fairy tale that yeah. you would, um, you know, you'd go to university, you'd get a job, but then you'd get married and your husband would look after you or you at least you would look after each other. And mm. that fairy tale sometimes doesn't have a happy ending. I mean, I yeah, I, I almost had the opposite growing up because my dad was a comedian and an actor, which meant most of the time he was an out of work comedian and actor. Uh, so, <laughs> and my mum, you know, she was she was the reliable breadwinner. She was the one who had she 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 taught for a long time and she wrote books and she did this and she had a market store and she did all these things that were things that she did every week to bring the money in so there was always money and and to be fair my dad did that as well he did supply teaching or he did motorbike couriering like they you know so I watched these people who didn't have conventional traditional um paths to careers they weren't lawyers or doctors or you know shop managers or whatever but they sort of made it work but they were sort of a, a partnership but predominantly it was my mum who was bringing the money in so I kind of grew up this kind of thing right you've got to make your own money you've got to you've got to always do your do your own thing um and excellently I also now make more money than my husband so that's worked out really well for me (laughs) I I've learned a lot about money but also asking for money and being bold about money through Ellie because Ellie had been a freelancer you know for a long time before me but also she's obviously got this amazing grounding um, from her parents and before I divorced I didn't have my own bank account I had a joint bank account and all our finances were just sort of in together and I remember her 
I don't think she physically shook me, Ellie. I don't think you took hand to me, but you did sort of shake me, <laughs> shake me yeah. in other ways. Like, when, you, when you were still married, I found that you told yes. me that you didn't have your own bank account and I was horrified. I was sort of like, no, and I couldn't understand how you could live it because I, I like the feeling of having my own money and having what my husband affectionately calls a go fund. So <laughs> if you ever need to just get out, you've got enough money in the bank. <laughs> to go like he's like if one of us he's like if one of us is accused of murder and I'm like I don't feel like that's likely but I know what he means like you know I've always liked the security of, so yeah I was I was to be honest as you know Helen I was slightly astonished when you said you didn't have one but then you got yeah. one so you know I did look at me look at me growing up <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I love about you is that you you're not afraid to grow up disgracefully and you're not afraid to be honest and you're not afraid to tackle absolutely everything. And are you aware how much good you do with your podcast? How many women you actually help to, to deal with some really dark times in their lives? Well, I'm uh, glad that there's one thing you like about us. That's good. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing. The rest of it, not the jokes or anything, you know. No, I'm being facetious. Um, we, we're sort of aware because we very, we, we're very grateful to get a lot of messages from people um, saying on Instagram or an email saying saying what you've just said, which is really lovely. Saying that you know we we've helped them, and that's that is of course that's hugely ego stroking, but it's also hugely gratifying because um, that isn't something we ever set out to do we never started any of it as a, we weren't like we're going to help people and we're going to get them through the dark times we'd be like do you want to meet up meet up once a fortnight and as an excuse to get drunk just make a podcast and then it sort of snowballed so to hear that we've sort of we, we never try to inform or educate but apparently we accidentally do so <laughs> that's been a great great bonus of course that's hugely personally satisfying and it's what has kept us helped keep us going motivated us for nine years coming up 10. Thank you both so much for taking part in this podcast and you know sharing your thoughts on politics and finance. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we managed to get the soapbox out a bit. I'm hoping that we might get some um, glitzy uh, wigs out when we get to our confessional a bit later but for now thank you both so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Scummy Mummies there, and if you haven't listened to their podcast, do seek them out. And their UK tour is on right now and runs all the way through next year. I just wanted to add to what Ellie and I spoke about with regard to pensions. Now, because she sought financial advice, and if you can, that is always brilliant because, of course, everybody's financial circumstance is different. But for most people, a pension is going to be the most tax efficient way of saving for your retirement. I said I was getting on my soapbox. If you're employed, also remember that you're getting extra money from your employer and the government. And if you can start saving up early, then little amounts can become a really significant pot of cash. And a spoiler alert that we'll probably be covering pensions next year because in the new year, we're going to bring you lots of tips for the changes that you can make to your finances, the fairly quick, easy changes that you can make that are going to save you a lot of money or even make you money in 2023. So definitely catch that episode in the new year.
Yeah, giving finances a bit of a spring clean. That is quite topical because I have now the next instalment of our confessional this week from Helen and Ellie. And after everything we were just talking about, it is very apt. Here we go. I don't uh, put aside tax. Uh, I'm being very, very bad at it and become a, a freelancer. Um, and then I'm also always surprised when I have to go, oh, yes, I, I was meant to save 30%. So that's my biggest. And then so I've had to pay fines on top of that. And that's something I've had to, you know, really concentrate on because I get excited. I still feel like I'm five years old when the money lands in my account. I'm like, woohoo, what? I can buy Mars bars <laughs> and new bras. <laughs> you know, like I, I get very excited about money and I still still very silly about it. Um, so my biggest financial mistake is not putting enough away from tax and then going, oh gosh, I've got to, I've got to pay it. So I think, and planning ahead, you know, um, so Ellie and I, there's 12 months a year, but we only really work nine months of the year because we don't work uh, in um, school holidays. So I'll like go, oh, I've got all this money in my account, but then realize during the school holidays, we don't earn any money. So when it gets the end of the school holidays, all oh, the money has gone. So things like that. Yes, I, I probably may, I probably got a whole list of confessions but yeah they're, they're, they're my top two <laughs> brows and mouse bars are really important is that where you're spending ellie uh, yeah, I like Mars bras. I don't know if yes. you've ever had one of those. It's actually, it's, it's like chocolate to support your breasts. It's very nice. Uh, it does help you work, rest and play. Let me tell you, there's, there's a contemporary reference for you. Uh, showing the age. Well, the, the biggest financial mistake that I made um, was starting a business with someone who never puts money aside for tax or plans for the future. Um, that's caused a lot of economic stress and difficulty for me personally and the company as as a whole so my advice would be don't do that <laughs> so a bit of a cop out from ellie but she did say honestly that her biggest mistakes were the ones that she talked about making when she was a student but that big tax payment laura in fact just making sure that you have filed your tax return it's a perennial isn't it I know. And I just feel very fortunate that I've always been employed and I've never had to deal with, you know, filing a tax return because the number of people that I hear who kind of forget the deadline, my husband included, um, <laughs> and end up with fines and the stress of having to fill it out. It just actually like causes me anxiety, even though I don't have to do it, the thought of doing that. So it's so easily done, isn't it? Well, I have to do it every year anyway, because of the child benefit situation. So it's one of those things where if you're not earning the extra, you could get caught out. So do just take a minute to make sure that you don't need to file a tax return. If you do need to file a tax return, that date is fast approaching. Um, before we go, those scummies were quite critical of the government. Uh, in its cost of living support paper, the Treasury did say, we understand people are worried about the cost of living challenges ahead. That's why the government's announced decisive action to support households whilst remaining fiscally responsible. It went on to highlight a number of measures, including the additional £26 billion of targeted cost of living support, which will be made available next year as well as the energy price guarantee, which caps the price that every household pays for energy. If you are in any doubt about the support that you are entitled to, do take a look on the government website. 
But that is it for this week's episode. So thank you so much for listening. And do make sure that you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you have a couple of minutes to leave us a review, that would also be great and helps other people find us. And on our next episode, I'll be chatting to the lovely author and journalist, Laura Waitley, about the havoc finances can play on relationships. In the meantime, do drop us a message on Instagram at ajbellmoneymatters is where you'll find us or you can email us moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. Until next time, thanks for listening and I'm off to get some mulled wine. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.